The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org. The scripture for today is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. So I do invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 23, one of the most well-known passages in the entire Scripture, definitely the best well-known psalm, primarily because of its use at funerals. Uh, and that's not inappropriate at all. However, the use of this psalm consistently at funerals may mislead us to think that this psalm is primarily about death and dying. It's not. So, psalm 23 is about the Lord's provision for you, for his people, in life and death. It's about his provision for everything you ever need for all of your days you can see that just in the opening words of verse one the lord is my shepherd i shall not want that verb in hebrew is a habitual imperfect means it's an ongoing action that is taking place in the present and into the future we read it in english as if it's all future oriented it's not it means it's happening now and it will happen in the future i shall not want now and i shall not want any time into the future I shall not want. That's, that's an old-fashioned way of saying I shall not lack. To be in want of something is to not have it, to need it, because you, you lack it. Perhaps you've heard the old proverbial saying, for the want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For the want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For the want of a horse, the rider was lost. For the want of a rider, the message was lost. For the want of a, a message, the battle was lost. For the want of a battle, the kingdom was lost. All for the want of a nail. In other words, all for the lack of a nail. The thing we needed to be in want is to lack. And in Psalm 23, right off the bat, David's declaration is that he is not in want of anything. He lacks nothing that he needs in life and in death. And if we, if we were to ask David, how? How is that possible? David points us to a who. We ask how? He says, who? The Lord. That's in all caps. You may remember from the last time we were together that indicates this is the covenantal name of God, Yahweh. Yahweh is my shepherd. In other words, the covenantal God, Yahweh, who made promises to his people, who made a covenant with his people collectively, David says he keeps all of those promises to me personally. In other words, David's saying, Yahweh is not just the shepherd of all of his people. He's my shepherd. For me, personally. And, and just like 
A shepherd provides everything his sheep need. David says, so also my God provides for me. Therefore, I shall not want, I shall not lack. Shades, I'm wondering this morning, can we say that? Can you, not even just us collectively, you personally, can, can we make the same declaration as David this morning? And can we do it with the same confidence? I shall not want. Now and forever, life and death, I lack nothing because my shepherd is providing everything. If we're honest, I, I bet that most of us don't feel like we can say that with David. As a matter of fact, I bet most of us are questioning how in the world David can say that. If you remember back from our first week, we talked about how book one of the Psalms, these first 42 Psalms, they track thematically with David's life before he came into his kingdom and became king. If you remember that period of David's life, he was in need, he was in want more than any other time of his life. Right then. Because he lacked everything. He lacked everything. Safety. He was in constant lack of food. He was in lack of shelter. Honestly, if you look at his life, it looked like he lacked a shepherd. Where was God? David feels that. The majority of the Psalms in this section are not Psalms of confidence. They're Psalms of lament. Just look back up one Psalm. Look back up to Psalm 22 and verse 1. Hear what David cries there. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Verse 2 of Psalm 22. I cry by day, but you do not answer. Where are you? What are you doing? And by night, but I find no rest. Psalm 22. That's David's situation. So how can Psalm 23 be his declaration? These psalms are not next to each other by accident. This wasn't a a bumbling assembly of the Psalter. And like, oops, shouldn't have put those two in the same section. They're butted up next to each other so that we read them back to back, so that we know in the midst of a Psalm 22 situation, Psalm 23, this can be, should be our declaration. Both of these things are a reality for David. How? How can they both be a reality for David? For you. For, for me. As we live... Right now, amidst the realities of 2021, for many of us, I imagine that has felt like our own Psalm 22 situation. How can Psalm 23 be our declaration? Moms, it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. Wore a tie for my mom and grandma today. They watch. Happy Mother's Day, Mom, Dee Dee. I wonder, it's a day filled with so many mixed emotions for so many, and maybe it is celebratory for you, for you today, or maybe you are in the midst of a very difficult season of parenting, of being a mom. Motherhood's hard. I got a close-up seat to a mama of five. It's hard. You may feel like you're in the midst of your own Psalm 22 season, or maybe you find yourself this morning longing for a child. And you feel forsaken. How? 
how in the midst of that situation do we make this kind of declaration? Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. He is providing me with everything I need now and forever. That's our question this morning. And I think that's what David spends the rest of Psalm 23 unpacking. How is the Lord our shepherd providing everything we need as his sheep? David shows us through five things. Number one, the Lord feeds us. How's our shepherd providing everything we need as a sheep? The Lord feeds us. Look at Psalm 23 and verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. In other words, he feeds me. The very word shepherd, it comes from the Hebrew verb ra'ah, which simply means to pasture or to graze or to feed. In other words, a shepherd really literally translated is a feeder. It's one who feeds the sheep. And right here, David declares, the Lord is my feeder and he feeds me nothing but the best. Green pastures, he says. The Hebrew for green pastures right there indicates that this is the best portions. Quality cuisine. This is like fancy feast for cats or something. I don't know what good cat food is. That wasn't in my notes. I just said fancy feast. Okay, but whatever. No finer food can be found than this because this food that God feeds us is nothing less than God's word. We know this because throughout scripture, shepherds feeding their sheep is a metaphor for spiritual teachers feeding God's people by teaching them the word. For instance, you go to Ezekiel 34 where Israel's spiritual teachers are not teaching the word of God. Listen to how God rebukes them. Ezekiel 34, thus says the Lord, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? Teach them the word of God. This is how Jesus, the great shepherd, fed his sheep. Mark 6 and verse 34, Jesus saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. They need a shepherd. I'm going to feed them. I'm going to teach them. He fed them by teaching them. And he commanded his disciples, Jesus commands his disciples to continue his shepherding ministry. You go to John chapter 21 where you get this beautiful exchange between Peter and Jesus. And what does Jesus repeatedly command Peter to do? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And Peter gets the point. You get to the book of Acts and Peter refuses to dedicate himself to anything other than prayer and the teaching of God's word. I'm going to feed the sheep. He goes on to command every elder ever to keep doing this. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. Peter says, elders, pastors, shepherd the flock. This is, this is why pastors are called pastors. Pastor is the Latin word for shepherd. Feeder. He says, elders, you're an under-shepherd of the chief shepherd. So shepherd, feed the sheep. Shades, your chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, sees to it that you get fed. How does the Lord provide so that we do not lack? He feeds us. Thus, when I'm in a Psalm 22 kind of situation, I'm feeling forsaken, I'm feeling like God's not answering my prayers. When I'm in that situation, I can still make a Psalm 23 declaration. I shall not want, 
Because even then, and even there, in the midst of feeling forsaken, my shepherd feeds me with the green pasture of his word. The question is, am I eating? He's always feeding. The green pasture is ever-present, never fading, never failing. The question is, am I eating? When, When I feel... Like I'm in a Psalm 22 situation when I feel forsaken, do I come back to feast upon this word? So that it becomes the lens through which I see the world, through which I see my Psalm 22 situation, so I can see the reality. I'm not really forsaken. My shepherd is with me. That's what David does in Psalm 22. If you keep reading Psalm 22, right after he says he feels forsaken, he feels like God is not answering his prayers, what does he say? Very next word, Psalm 22 and verse 3. Yet, yet, this is how I feel, this is what's going on, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to pour it out, confess it, but yet, you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered. David confronts his feeling forsaken with truth about God's faithfulness. And he feeds on it. how I'm feeling. I'll be honest about it. But here's what's real. Here's what's true. I know it because I see it in your word. Our fathers trusted and you delivered them. I'm going to feed on that. I'm going to feast on that. Shades too often. I'm going to just confess, this is not what I do. When, when I'm feeling like David does in Psalm 22, my automatic reaction all too often is not to rush to feast on the Word. All too often when I feel forsaken by God and I want to understand my situation that I'm in better, God, you're not answering me, what's going on, I don't feast upon the word. Instead, I feed upon the world. When I feel forsaken by God, I turn to other sources of truth to help me understand what's going on in the world and what's going on in my world. I turn to the news, to political pundits, and Twitter Not a great source of information and inspiration. We turn to gossip. Turn to our friends' hot takes and to YouTube quick clips. When I feed on the words of the world that they are speaking, what I found is that I end up sounding like the world when I speak. You want to know what you're feeding upon? What words are getting poured into your heart to shape it? Look at the words coming out of your heart. Luke 6, 45, Jesus says, the mouth is the overflow of the heart. You want to know what you're putting in? Look at what's coming out. And I'm not just talking about content I'm not just talking about what we're saying. I'm talking about how we're saying it. I, I have been pondering for some time now why it is that when Christians, it seems, it seems that when Christians talk about everything that's happened over this past year, why does it seem like we sound exactly the same as everyone else? I'm not talking about what we're saying. I'm talking about how we're saying it. We sound angry. We sound bitter. 
We sound mean-spirited and arrogant, fearful often, and often just downright hateful. We sound like we think we've been forsaken. We do not sound like a people who believe that we worship a God who is sovereignly in control. Perhaps we don't sound that way because we've forgotten we do serve a God who is sovereignly in control. Because we're not feasting on His Word. So that it becomes the lens through which we see our world. Shades right now. In in our Psalm 22 situation, we can be, we can be a people who sound different. We can be a people who sound like this Psalm 23 declaration. We can be a people of calm, confident faith in our faithful shepherd so that when we speak to a combative culture in defense of our faith, we speak with gentleness and respect as we're instructed in 1 Peter 3.15. Make a defense of your faith yet with gentleness and respect. So that our speech doesn't blend in with all the hate. No, it's different. It's seasoned with salt. Colossians 4, 6 says, speak with speech seasoned with salt. These kinds of words will only flow out of our mouths if they are the kinds of words that have been poured into our heart. What are we feasting on? Shades, in your, whatever it is, In your Psalm 22 situation, right now, your shepherd is providing all you need to feed your heart. Indeed, he is providing a feast through the green pasture of this word. How is our shepherd providing everything we need as his sheep? The Lord feeds us. Number two, the Lord cleans us. The Lord cleans us. Look at the rest of verse 2. He, our shepherd, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Now we just talked about feeding on green pastures. So at first glance, we might think that this metaphor is about drinking from still waters. And that idea is likely included here, but that's not what's being emphasized. To see what's being emphasized, we need to know a little bit of something about Hebrew poetry. The main feature, if you will, of Hebrew poetry is something called parallelism. Hebrew poetry comes at you in phrases, phrases that are parallel to one another, little phrases that are meant to go together that help you understand what each one is meaning. First phrase comes at you, second phrase fills it out, colors it in, helps you understand more what's going on. And your English Bible is likely organized to help you see the parallelism there. Your first phrase is going to be justified all the way to the left. It's going to be smack up against the left margin. Second phrase will be indented one. It's parallelism. If you get a third indentation, that's not another parallelism. It goes with the line above it. That's just to tell you they didn't have enough space to fit all in one line. All right? So you can see which lines go together to help you interpret what's going on. And if you look at the words we just read, he leads me beside still waters. That's all the way to the left. That is phrase number one. To help us understand what it means, here comes at you indented one, phrase number two. He restores my 
soul. Whatever this leading beside still waters is, the aim of it is to restore our soul. That word restore, shuv, it literally means to turn back, to return. It means to restore in the sense of returning something to its original state. Something's been damaged, it's being fixed. Something's been dirtied, it's being cleaned. You're restoring something to its original state. It is a word that gets used to describe repentance. When I've sinned, I repent, and the Lord cleans and cleanses me and restores me. When David prays his great prayer of repentance in Psalm 51, he uses this exact word to cry out, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. In other words, Shades, what I'm saying is that the emphasis in Psalm 23, the emphasis of these still waters is our restoration through repentance. This isn't emphasizing drinking these waters. It's emphasizing being washed in them. A shepherd would lead his flock to still waters, not crazy rushing waters. He'd lead them to still waters not only so they could drink, but so that he could get down on his knees and wash them clean. Wash the dirt and the muck off their coats and clean out their wounds. Restore them. And our good shepherd, great shepherd, we're told he restores our souls. He cleanses us from all sin, washes out our wounds of suffering. Only he can do this, and we're told he does. Shades. We lack nothing for even right in the midst, right in the midst of every Psalm 22 situation. On the day that I feel most forsaken, my shepherd has washed my soul clean. Even when I'm in the midst of a Psalm 22 situation of my own making, through my sin, my shepherd condescends, gets down on his knees. He left the throne at the right hand of his father to take on flesh and go to a cross and wash me in his blood. In the midst of my worst day, will you let, in the midst of your worst day, will you let your shepherd lead you back to these still waters for the restoration of your soul. Moms, on the day when you are judging yourself most harshly, when you're making every comparison between you and every perfect mom on Instagram, let your shepherd lead your soul beside these still waters and wash you again. Clean out your wounds Heal your heart. Restore your soul. How is the shepherd providing everything we need as his sheep? He feeds us. And he cleans us. Number three, the Lord leads us. How is he providing for everything we need? He leads us. Look at the rest of verse three, the next set of parallels. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Hebrew literally says he leads me in the right paths. In other words, sheep left to themselves get lost. They wander away. This is why they need a shepherd, one who will lead them in the right paths so they make it all the way from where they've gone to pasture. They make it all the way back home. 
And here's the deal. A shepherd's reputation, his name, we're told right here, he leads us in the right paths for his name's sake. A shepherd's reputation, his name, depends on his ability to lead his sheep. If you're losing sheep all the time, you're going to get a rep as a pretty poor shepherd. Shades, we do not have a poor shepherd. We have a perfect shepherd with a perfect reputation because he's never lost a sheep. And he won't lose you. John 6, 39, Jesus says, this is the will of my Father who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus says, I'm not going to lose you and no one's going to take you. And you're like, yeah, but what if I wander away? Luke 15 is for you where Jesus leaves 99 sheep to go after that one that's wandering. He brings it back home. Shades, if you are a true sheep of the true shepherd, he's going to lead you in the right paths of righteousness all the way home. He's going to lead you in the right paths of righteousness until the day when he makes you fully and finally righteous. All for the glory of his name, which is your greatest good. When, when you read, when you read, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I wonder how that hits you. Does that hit you as Jesus loving you? He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I think most of us take that as Jesus being self-centered and unloving. This is not Jesus being unloving. This is him being the most loving he could possibly be. I, uh, I'm in physical therapy for my back right now. It's great. It's helping a lot. I have a great physical therapist named Beth. First time I went to see Beth, she did this thing called dry needling. Yeah, it's as bad as it sounds. Stick needles in my back. She stuck this one in and it just hit this place. And I'm like, Beth, I thought we were friends. And she said, my goal is that we be friends when we're done. What she means is that she does not want to be known as a poor therapist who doesn't help people. She hopes that she will do her job well enough that I will very much like her for all the pain relief that ultimately comes in the end. She works hard to be a good therapist for her name's sake. Which also simultaneously means she's working for my good. For my healing. For my wholeness. Even when I protest because it's painful. Her goals are the glory of her name, we never would phrase it that way, but you want to be known as a good professional at whatever you do. So her goals are the glory of her name and the good of my back. And those two goals are tied together. And they can't be separated. Shades. In an even greater way, in an even greater way, the glory of God's name and our greatest good are tied together. They're tied together in an even greater way because they're not two separate goals. They are one and the same. Because God's glory is our greatest good. Is that not what we saw in Psalm 16 and verse 11? In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The satisfaction of your heart and your soul is found in the glory of God. For him to promote and be all about his glory is for him to promote and be all about your heart's satisfaction forever. They are one and the same goal. 
He leads us in the right paths of righteousness to put His glory on display as the one and only shepherd who can lead us in the way we should go so that we'll follow Him to life, eternal joy forever and not follow some other shepherd down a path of death. He puts His glory on display as the only shepherd who can clean our sin and cure our suffering. He puts his glory on display as the only shepherd who can feed our souls to their satisfaction. He puts his glory on display because he loves you. And he will give you nothing, nothing less than the best. And the best is himself. This is the most loving thing that God can do for you. To to do everything for his own glory, put himself on display give you himself for your satisfaction forever, lead you all the way home to him. He died to make this happen. Christ died once for all the just, for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. Jesus prayed for this to happen. Father, I desire that they be with me where I am, that they may see my glory. How is your shepherd providing everything that you need as his sheep. He feeds us, cleans us, he leads us. I wonder if you're picking up on a progression here. Our shepherd feeds us, he teaches us through the word, which leads to our souls being restored so that we follow him in the paths of righteousness. You see the progression? Teaches us, our souls restored, we follow him in the paths of righteousness even when those paths lead us into Psalm 22 type situations. We still follow. For our shepherd still provides us with everything we need even then and there because he doesn't leave us. That's number four. How's our shepherd providing everything we need? He feeds us, cleans us, leads us. And number four, the Lord never leaves us. Never Never leaves us. Look at verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, literal translation is the valley of deep darkness. It doesn't exclude death. Death is the deepest darkness we know, but it just includes all the other darknesses we face in life. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff. They comfort me. If you go out into the uh, wilderness of Israel outside of the cities, you'll quickly find it's full of valleys and ravines, and many of those uh, have cliffs and caves, places of shadow and darkness. Wild animals, scavengers like to hide. Historically, in the ancient Near East, thieves loved to hide in these caves. Yet these places are unavoidable for any shepherd wanting to lead his sheep. And right here, David acknowledges, he acknowledges that his confident declaration that he shall not want, that he won't lack anything, he acknowledges that doesn't mean his life will be free from difficulty, even death. It's not what he's saying when he says, I won't lack, that I won't have difficulty, that I won't face hardship and suffering and pain. 
No, David believes that following his shepherd will take him into those very places, into the deep shadows. Hear my heart. Psalm 23. This great declaration of confidence and faith in God's provision. Psalm 23 doesn't erase or replace Psalm 22. This authentic cry of frustration and feeling forsake. You can bring all of that before the Lord openly and honestly. This is what I feel. Psalm 23 doesn't erase or replace Psalm 22. It's a statement of faith in the midst of it. Even though I walk, even though this is where I am, Psalm 22, even though I walk through the valley of the deepest, darkest shadows, even when I come to face death, here's my statement of faith, I will fear no evil. I won't even fear the evil of death itself. How can David say this? Remember, we're in the midst of his phase of life where he would be the most in need, where he would be facing down death. Quite often, how can he say, I shall not want? What could his shepherd possibly be providing him that he fears no evil that he ever faces down amidst any shadow? The shepherd is providing him with himself, his presence. Look at it. I will fear no evil for because you are with me. You never leave me. You with me? Whole way. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. These are tools of a shepherd's trade. A shepherd often used a short rod to fend off predators. He used a long staff to guide his sheep, to, to keep them on the right path, especially amidst the darkness of a valley like the one being described here. So even, even in the deepest, darkest of shadows, even when facing down death, David's saying, I know where to go. My shepherd's staff is still leading me. And I know I'm safe. His rod is protecting me. Shades, is this not true? Do we not know who to cling to even when we face down death itself? Is there not our shepherd's rod, our shepherd's staff guiding us? We cling to Christ. Is he not the way, the truth, and the life? He has revealed himself as the very way through the grave to eternal life. And does he not guard us even when we walk that way? Guard us from the evil grip of death, for he has defeated it, and our death will never be final. Every single one of our lives will end like his in resurrection. Shades, no matter what shadow touches your life, Job loss, financial hardship, divorce, infertility, disease, loss, betrayal, or even the deepest, darkest shadow of death. Here, here is your comfort that cannot be taken away. Your comfort in life and death. Your shepherd, Jesus Christ, is with you. He never leaves. He never leaves you. And he guides you. He 
guides you through every evil you face for you are his and none of that evil ultimately wins he's defeated it all with the rod that we call the cross and one day revelation 19 says that he will return with an iron rod in his hand to bring to completion the redemption that the cross began and he will smash and remove every evil ever banish every shadow that's ever been cast This is why David and we, this is why we can make a Psalm 23 declaration amidst every Psalm 22 situation. Because we're not forsaken. Our shepherd never leaves. Not now. Not ever. I shall not want. You remember I said at the very beginning that that phrase, I shall not want, it's a habitual imperfect meaning that it includes the present, I shall not want in the present, and I shall not want in the future. I shall not want now, I shall not want ever. That's because all of the actions of our shepherd in Psalm 23, all of them are habitual imperfects. He feeds me now and forever. He cleans me now and forever. He leads me now and forever. He doesn't leave me now and forever. Therefore, I shall not want now and forever. For our great shepherd is providing us with everything we need now and forever. It's like he has prepared a feast for our souls now and forever. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. David changes metaphors right here. Some people try to make the sheep shepherd metaphor still fit. It doesn't. He changes metaphors from sheep and shepherd to a host and guest at a feast. And he does this to sum up Everything we've seen. To bring it all together. How is our shepherd providing everything we need as his sheep? He feeds us, cleans us, leads us, never leaves us. In other words, David says, this is what it's like. Number five, the Lord prepares a feast for us now and forever. How does he provide everything we need? The Lord prepares a feast for us now and forever. We know he prepares this feast for us right now because, again, if you look at verse 5, David says this feast is prepared in the presence of my enemies. In other words, David's saying, even now, like, like right now, when David was at a point in his life when he was often literally surrounded by enemy armies, even in that Psalm 22 moment, when David cries out to the Lord, feeling forsaken, he feasts on the word and begins to truly see the reality of his situation that even now the Lord is providing for him a feast, feeding him, cleaning him, leading him, never leaving him. Is there a greater feast than that? Shades, even now, in the presence of every enemy you face in this world, even now, in the midst of a pandemic, even now, in the midst of racial injustice and social unrest, Even now, amidst cultural pressure to compromise your faith. Even now, amidst personal difficulties, struggles with depression, anxiety, struggles with singleness, struggles with marriage, struggles with parenting, struggles with whatever. Moms, even now, in the midst of the throes of motherhood, when you try to shepherd your flock of sheep, 
It's more like herding cats. When you try to shepherd them and you feel like you are failing, Moms, amidst even those difficulties, the Lord is preparing for you a feast for the rest of your soul. Moms, your responsibility to your kids, it feels like you're supposed to be this shepherd right here in Psalm 23 often, right? You're supposed to provide everything that they need. Moms, your responsibility is not to shepherd them like that. It's simply to shepherd them to the one who can shepherd them like that. Shepherd them to Jesus. This is what my mother, my grandmother, so many women in my life have done for me. Jesus is all your kids need. And you can rest in the reality that your responsibility is not to provide every single need that they have. You can't, but to shepherd them to the one who can. Shepherd them to the feast that is theirs in Jesus. And go and feast there for your soul yourself. And be satisfied, even in the midst of whatever Psalm 22 situation you're in. Jesus prepares for you a feast, and he welcomes you. Every last one of us, he welcomes us as his honored guest. For David says, you anoint my head with oil. Don't think motor oil, don't think cooking oil. Think like well-scented lotion. In, in the arid climate of the Middle East, oil was used kind of like we use lotion. Offering oil to your guest was, was a way of offering them a way to refresh themselves. It was a way of welcoming them. We still do this kind of thing. Often when someone comes in your house, what's the first thing you offer them? Can I get you anything to drink? Re refreshment. Fragrant oil was refreshing to the skin. It was a way of welcoming and honoring a guest. And right now, shades, right now you have been welcomed and honored, anointed with oil and given a seat at the Lord's feast. Is there any other response to this than to declare with David, my cup overflows? That's David's summary statement. Like when he takes a step back and he, he looks at the Lord's provision in his life that he has just been singing about, even amidst his enemies, even amidst the deepest, darkest valley, even when he feels forsaken, when he steps back and feasts on the word and see that he has been made clean by the one who's leading him and will never leave him, he cannot help but declare, my cup overflows. It's a way of saying that my life overflows with blessings. I've been provided with everything that I need for I've been given the one that I need and the cup of my life is overflowing because I get him now and forever. I know it's forever because of verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely Surely, in other words, David is saying, after all we've seen, this is what I know is guaranteed. Goodness and mercy. That's not the best translation right there, in my opinion. The Hebrew word that's behind mercy right there is hesed. 
Most commonly, it is translated in most of your Bibles as loving kindness. That kind of gets at it, but still not quite there. It's the word that Scripture uses for God's faithful, covenant-keeping love. It's His loyal love. His faithful, His never-leaving, never-giving-up, never-forsaking love. David is saying, surely the good, faithful, the best, good, faithful, covenant love of God will follow me. Better translation, pursue me. Pursue me all the days of my life. Through every Psalm 22 situation, he's feeding, cleaning, leading, never leaving. God is pursuing me, providing all that I need so that this end is guaranteed. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever which again is not a precise translation of the Hebrew, but I'm okay with that one. I'm okay with it because in the Hebrew right here, what David is emphasizing is that God's love makes him want to return to the temple, the house of the Lord. For God's love makes, when he looks at God's provision, it makes him want to go back to the house of the Lord, to go back to the temple, to dwell, or in other words, to worship there for all of his days. We know that that earthly temple David's talking about was merely a shadow pointing forward to Christ, Emmanuel, the true temple, God with us. Now by his spirit and one day in the flesh forever, he will be with us because he will return to bring the redemption of all creation to completion. And in that new creation, Revelation 21 tells us there will be no temple because Christ is the temple, the presence of God with us. We will dwell with him, feasting on his glory forever for he is the shepherd of psalm 23 jesus is the shepherd that's why i've been saying it throughout the entire thing jesus is the shepherd shades of psalm 23 who has provided everything that we need now and forever go back later this afternoon and read john 10 and listen to jesus describe himself as our shepherd the shepherd that we've seen right here in psalm 23 in John chapter 10, in verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I'm the feeder. I'm the one who feeds you now and forever. He goes on in verse 11 to say, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's so that he, he went to the cross, laid down his life for you so that he might clean you now and forever. Verse 27 of John 10, he says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. In other words, he leads his sheep now and forever. Verse 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. He never leaves you now and forever. Shades, feast on this Jesus now. God is providing you with everything you need through him. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Feast on him now. We will feast on him forever. Jesus, my shepherd, your shepherd. He will never leave us. He will lead us through this life, through the shadow of death itself, to eternal green pastures, eternal still waters, and the eternal restoration of our souls at the eternal feast where every cup overflows eternally. And on that day when every Psalm 22 situation finally fully passes away, on that day, Shades, we will declare with sight what now we say in faith. I shall.
Can you say that? You can if the Lord is your shepherd.